three, two. Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we are with Michael, our resident ephesiologist, Andrew Johnson, associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas, and I am Matt Till in the Chicago suburbs. Good to be with you guys again for a whole other season of the Ephesiology Podcast. It has been a, are we still in the year 2020? Oh my goodness. Can it, will it ever it keeps end? on going. <laughs> the year that never stops. You know, I would say I almost feel like Groundhog Day in a sense. Um, and as we know, the Groundhog Day movie with Bill Murray was filmed actually uh, here in the Chicago area. Um, but it like, it's not repeat. I mean, there's some like repeating and like the days just kind of keep recycling over and over again. And it's just like, what is happening here? And then yet a new event happens every day. I just, I, I don't even know. I'm losing track of all the time. What's that old phrase that I will also edit? You know, new day, same crap. Yeah. But it's, it's actually like same year, new crap. Can you say that on this uh, podcast? It has been said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it has, it has been a very long year and a, and a long summer. And uh, I know that we've had a lot going on individually in our own lives, but also too, just as we've been thinking about uh, being a part of the mission of God and, uh, you know, a lot of us are still working from home and um, making changes and adjustments and things of ministry. And also just as we're kind of pursuing uh, the things and the ideas that we're doing here with Evisiology, uh, we thought maybe this would be a great episode for us to kind of catch up a little bit uh, just with each other, but also um, with our audience and then kind of share uh, just some exciting things that have been going on over the summer. If people haven't been aware of it yet, um, specifically master classes that are um, just been recently launched. And then also to just kind of where we're hoping to head uh, going into this uh, year and into this season of the ne- of the next round of podcasts. Um, and so uh, what I'd like to do is, Andrew, why don't you just kind of talk a little bit about just kind of how things have been going. You're on sabbatical. It's kind of re- really where we left off. Um, and so uh, uh, tell us how sabbatical was with you and your family. Well, it was uh, an absolutely wonderful time. Uh, a major incredible thanks to Neartown Church and that blessing. Um, I love how Russell put it like that was I, that was my assignment. My assignment was sabbatical. My assignment was rest and to recharge. Um, it happened to coincide with an event uh, like the coronavirus that shut down the world. So it was certainly a very different uh, sabbatical experience than we had planned and desired to take. Um, we had actually had an entire like West Coast thing and all the places booked and all the, uh, all the events that we were going to attend and be a part of. And then we had to call and cancel all those things and get my money back uh, to then now head East. So the big trip that we had this summer, we went out to a a little place called Dauphin Island Uh, for you Midwesterners. I actually would encourage you check that out before you want to drive all the way down to the nether parts of Florida, just go to Alabama and then just go down straight down. It's like 20, 30 minutes south of uh, Mobile. And it is glorious. And we loved our time on that island. Um, nothing of like incredible note. I mean, it was time at the beach. It was great. And then, uh, but then we went out to Asheville, North Carolina. And that was glorious for me personally. Got in a few good rounds of disc golf. I would say in the region, I had some new guys that I met uh, while playing and they recommended a course for me to check out. They said it wasn't that far down the road. Um, Not that far down the road was an hour and 25 minutes one way. Um, So I call into question their sense of time, but uh, it was glorious. So I was in Tennessee (laughs) playing disc golf. Um, So Harmon Hills, if you're a disc golfer, in Tennessee, go check out Harmon Hills. It was glorious. But aside from that, uh, the time uh, to kind of focus on my family and rest was so, so good. Um, we have said time and again, I think this may have been the best that our kids have acted um, towards each other and as a family in their lives. Um, so that was a blessing from the Lord. And we enjoyed seeing each other and goofing off and making memories, hiking, taking pictures. I mean, the whole of it was lovely. And so now coronavirus is still happening, uh, but my sabbatical is over. So jumping back into uh, work at Neartown and seeing how I can continue to do what I can to shepherd 
um, God's people towards his glory, to be focused on that and to desire to see that for others. Uh, so it's, I, I wish I could say, honestly, you know, not so much a moment of vulnerability. I wish I could say I came off sabbatical and I, and I had everything figured out and it was all clear and it was like green light everywhere I looked. I felt when I got back from sabbatical, everything was more confusing. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have that clarity that I was really hoping for um, after sabbatical. And so it's been kind of trying to figure out still what God was using sabbatical and his continued uh, role for me, not just at Neartown, but just uh, faithfully serving in his kingdom. And so he's been very gracious and um, so many things at Neartown are so exciting and uh, really amped to be a part of them. But uh, it, God's funny. And uh, so entering in this season and trying to hear his voice um, more and more about what is to come and, and what he has for Houston. So shoot. Uh, oh, and then my sweet wife uh, was hired as a second grade teacher at the school one week before school starts. Wow. So wow. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. She's excited and she's petrified. So I think that's, that's the collective, but she's taught it now two full times with our oldest kids and is going to be teaching our youngest second grade this year as well. So she's kind of old hat, but yeah, great. Well, yeah, you know what us. I have to say, Andrew, that you look physically, you looked refreshed. It is true. It is true. Like I came back uh, refreshed. So it, it is good for me. Yeah. Good. Well, and it, as we can see in here, we all have children and people in the background and we're, Andrew and I are still, uh, we're obviously we're all doing this from home and, uh, and, and actually it's really been kind of like the, the, the thing with even over the till household is we've really been trying to figure out new rhythms of life together. Um, as we have been exploring and kind of stuck at home together, we've been able to find some ways to, uh, really build into each other over the summer, which actually I've, I really celebrate. Uh, we were able to kind of, we were really able to take significant vacations, but we did manage to get away a little bit uh, over the summer, uh, which has been really good. We've really been kind of going into the summer season with a renewed emphasis on the family together and us really trying to build into one another. And um, and so that has really been healthy for us and something I feel like that has um, really been kind of uh, always kind of became secondary, I think, to a lot of things in our life. And so we've really been looking at this season as a season of we really want to focus on our family. And part of that also was a decision for us to move. And so actually over the summer, uh, actually, Mary and I had already decided that we wanted to move um, early at the beginning of the year, like right when the January hit, we kind of said, what's our goal for this year? We're going to move. We're going to we're going to try to uh, move our house and um, make a decision that's right for our family. Uh, the house we were in wasn't necessarily fitting for for us, and and so we loved it, but it just wasn't going to be the the place that we knew we needed to be long term. And so we just kind of left it open. We didn't really know where we we're going to go and how the Lord is going to lead through that. So we just kind of said, okay, we're just going to pray about this, knowing that this is on our heart. This is the thing that we know we need to do and would like to do. And uh, then the pandemic hit. <laughs> So that delayed our plans to move. And so we then kind of sat on that for a few months while we were kind of trying to sort out and see things where things were going. And then as things were starting to kind of open up a little bit, we decided to say, you know what, I think this is the right time. The market is good. And so the Lord really provided. We actually sold our house in like five days um, once it went on the market. And uh, we had a a long season of being able to actually pack up and move out. Um, It was just really just God's providence and found a great little place that we're at now that we're really happy in and and just for at least for the time being. And and so for us is like, this has really been a season about us just kind of focusing on our family and really trying to uh, build those relationships and that intimacy with each other. And as we're, I mean, we're all stuck at home. I mean, we're still kind of like our kids, we're homeschooling our kids this year. Um, we opted not to send them to back to the public school. We're, um, you know, both Mary and I are working from home. So it creates all these new kind of dynamics and things like that, that we're trying to work out and, and work together. But we've seen some really good moments and some really good things, I think, coming out of that. And so, you know, for us, it's just like, we're kind of in this new world. We're in this new season, this new part of life that we're 
you know, things are not quite what they used to be. And um, all the old rhythms and tools don't necessarily work necessarily anymore. And so we're really just trying to figure out what that what that season looks like for us. And we've been really deciding like what's of most importance right now well it's obviously our our worship of our lord uh together as a family but also our um and and then of course our relationships that we have with with our kids and with each other and so we've really been trying to build into that a lot this summer which has really been dominating the theme of 2020 for us that even through all of this this is what we've been focusing on Mm -hmm. wow that's awesome that is that is yeah you know the who would have or who could have anticipated the good things that might come out of. Right. It's truthfully for the people who, and I say who have the space or who have made the space because the space is there uh, through the time that we've either been given or forced to have, but for the people who have allowed this season to uh, let us refocus on our families and our relationships at home, and the people that God has given us, it's been, it, again, not accepting that the world is kind of shut down and the economy is falling and lots of people are losing their jobs. If we're allowed to focus on this aspect of, of that family dynamic, it has been really sweet. It has been good. And uh, I think that's been, again, like you said, Michael, an unexpected uh, benefit of this time. One of the things that the Lord has really taken me and the journey that I've been on over the summer is that um, for the last couple of years, I've been doing a a Bible in a year plan where um, in this year we're doing chronological. So me and a few other people um, have been going through this uh, chronological Bible study together. And all summer long, we've been in the, the Old Testament prophets and specifically looking at um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. I mean, we are in the season of exile and reading about the exile into Babylon. And the correlations that I feel like the Lord and his spirit have been revealing to me in this season of where we are in our cultural moment, in our moment in the United States and the West, um, as we are seeing um, cultural transformation and upheaval really taking place, uh, is just so apparent and so stark. I just feel like I can't help but not see the the connections that are being made. Um, And so it's actually been a a read a renewal season for, for even me, even spiritually, as I've been really walking through this journey with the Lord and seeing um, this sense of just, you know, God is still present and, and whatever is happening in the world around us, um, he is still on mission, even through it all. And um, in finding my, my hope and my, my faith and my uh, confidence in the saving works of Jesus, who does not just save the 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 soul from you know uh, you know into a, a place of of heaven and into a place of eternal life, which is our ultimate hope, but also seeing that He seeks to save the soul and the world through His gospel and through His work, and so and and I'm seeing like how um, just in this these Old Testament stories of the exile as how terrible it was and how disruptive and disorienting it was to the believers. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. the Jewish believers, the ones like the temple is gone, the priestly, you know, like the, the priests are saying everything's fine, but Jeremiah is saying, no, it's not <laughs> get on the program. And, and to see who was right at the end of the day was the one who was truly listening to the Lord and the one who was being led by the spirit. And I just find this confidence in that by all that is happening that I can trust and lean into the Lord and know that it's, it, it may be tragic. It might be terrible, but he still says at the end of the day, after everyone's been sent off to exile, go and and make your home in Babylon, uh, build houses, plant gardens, marry, have children, build a new life into this new world. So the old world is being left behind. The old place is being left behind. Um, it is the paradigms are going to be completely shifting but there is a new place and there is still hope on the other side of all this. And that's really been, I think, the dominant theme that I've been finding over and over again that the Lord has been showing me that even though all the transition, all the change, all the disruption, it's not without purpose. And 
don't look to the past, but look forward and keep your eyes on the prize. Mm-hmm. And so that's really been kind of a theme that I've been finding. And so that's why I, we also as a family have decided to say, what is of the most important thing right now? What are those most important relationships that we have? Because those are the things I want to build onto right now. And I want to lean into and realize that all the other structures and forms and, and things that I used to claim as security and safe may not be that way in the next week, month, or even year. And so um, that's been a big journey that we've been going on. And, um, and and so I'm just been finding, leaning into a lot of that. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's good, rich stuff for sure. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, well, what a rich set of thoughts that is. Uh, that can be mined for days and weeks. So yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for uh, showing me up, Matt. Thank you for just helping me see all the you know, things I need to keep a focus on. You know, uh, Andrew, you and I talked, um, I think right when you just came off a of sabbatical and you and I were having a good conversation on the phone. And um, I, I yep. remember getting off the phone, kind of thinking to myself, man, I kind of like, I kind of miss out on the sabbatical, if you will. But in some weird sense, as I've actually reflected in the last few weeks, I actually, even though there's been a lot of change, even in our own life, and it, it, is, it has felt kind of full, but it hasn't felt incredibly busy. And as I reflect back, I feel like this summer has been a bit of a sabbatical, mm-hmm. even though it hasn't been a true disconnection from the things that I feel like distract and take time away. There has been a bit of a sabbatical rest. There has been a bit of a um, Sabbath, extended Sabbath rest that I think the pandemic has actually allowed our family to endure and go through and, and enjoy in some ways. Um, it's probably not the most ideal version that I would have, if I would have planned it out, I would have planned it out differently, including a trip to Disney World in there somewhere. <laughs> but um, it, it has still been this ability to slow life down significantly. And and to feel like I'm not disappointing a whole lot of people, but just to know that there's an excuse that's already been made for me, you know, which probably isn't super healthy, but, <laughs> um, but that has been, a, it's been, a, it has allowed me to do that. And so for me, I, I've, I've actually been thankful for this season because it's allowed me to do those kind of reflections and, and Andrew, thanks for just sharing how you've grown a lot too in your sabbatical. And, and because I think it's been encouragement to me as well. Well, good to hear. Good to hear. So Michael, have you been sitting uh, just in a chair, twiddling your thumbs since we last hey. talked. Is that, is that kind of been your MO? That, that's, that's... And, and riding his bike. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's a different seat he sits in. So that's it. That's your, that's all you've done. Right. Yeah. No, you know, I'm hearing you guys thinking, gosh, I need to take a break. <laughs> Michael has had the opposite of the some kind of summer that we have all had. Yeah. It's, it, you know what, it's a busy season because um, it, we're, we're feverishly trying to think about what does engaging culture look like during this this time, and you know it's not just the pandemic, and that's how we got into this. Uh, it, it's the issues of justice, and uh, we're heading into a, a very tumultuous political season, and all of these things that have uh, kept me a little bit busy thinking about, you know, what, how do we respond uh, as uh, individuals, as Christians engaging the culture? Uh, the, what, what does the physiology do with all of this stuff? Is, is this outside of who we are? And, and uh, but it's been good. I mean, it's, it's good to think about uh, these things and making sure that we're just not people who are talking in theory, but really putting that theory into practice. And um, yeah, again, you know, I, I think I'll probably be saying this for the rest of our podcast season is that, uh, you know, these are things that we couldn't anticipate. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, um, God remains sovereign. And I appreciate so much, Matt, what you were sharing, because he's certainly superintending these things. Um, and, uh, and how important it is to be able to have that space just to sit back and listen to what the Lord might be saying and, uh, and hearing from him. You know, is this something that he's asking us to really step into and refocus? Is this really a paradigm shift uh, that we need to be making? And so, I Michael, 
Yeah, I feel like that there's this um, attention that we sit in, and especially for people like us who kind of have this like apostolic prophetic type giftings. And um, what we try to do here with the physiology is recover um, it really an ancient vision of the church and see the principles that are played out. Uh, in that church growth movement. Wow. Did I just say church growth movement? <laughs> oh, I heard it. Wow. Um, church. What planting, was the minute mark right? on that? Just yeah. so you guys can, uh, <laughs> you can send your emails to. The original church planting movement, right? Um, that really began in um, Ephesus and really came out of a, a glorification of, of the Lord, right? People uh, who are committed to glorifying God in all things and being on mission with him is really what then began this movement and um, that really spread worldwide. Uh, we have talked about that at nauseum on this podcast, as well as uh, through other things. But the tension that we see is not only recovery of such, but also a how do we lean into today and how do we lean into what's happening in in the world today and kind of what we've built upon over 2000 years, what needs to go, what needs to stay. And as our culture, specifically in the United States, specifically here in North America, is going through a reckoning season of of so many things right now that um, that even the evangelical Christian community, uh, which is really a subset of Protestant Christianity, um, is is really going through its moment and its heyday of understanding of like where where does it stand and how does it engage into the culture and and so you you and and I think one of the tensions that we have is is trying to like how do we engage in those things and yet at the same at the same time call people to Jesus and His kingdom and um, not wade too in too much into the weeds, but realize you got to get into the weeds in order to kind of cut them back a little bit. So Michael, you spent uh, the summer, uh, the Lord put it on your heart to write something. Uh, and it ended up becoming a, I think it started as a blog post and it became a book. Um, and the title of it is now is when evangelicals sneeze. Talk about a little bit about that book that you, that you ended up working on and what has been some of the feedback you've been getting since it has since been published. Now, I just need to clarify real fast, Michael. Was it something that the Lord put on your heart or was it like a hornet inside of you buzzing that you couldn't uh, <laughs> shut up, that you had to at least get your head onto the proverbial page uh, to be able to deal with what was happening inside? So, yeah, go for that. Yes. Yeah. I. You know what? I think it was both, actually. I think and i think it's it's almost an extension of a physiology um it's this is funny as we were thinking about the title of the book i mean we landed on when evangelicals sneeze but uh one of my favorite suggestions came from our youngest son and he he thought that we should we should call the book we should title the book sneeziology uh to go along with the physiology but um yeah, so maybe uh, I don't know. I there's know. the groan. Okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the book it really is an extension of physiology, and it's this this thing, Matt, like you were talking about us wrestling with. You know, what do we do with this ancient church in the first century that we see just growing in fantastic ways, and what does that look like today? How do we unpack that? in our particular cultural uh, climates. And uh, if, for me, as I wrestled with this in light of the pandemic, in light of racial tensions and uh, political tensions and the division that there is in evangelicalism, uh, what resulted was this book, When Evangelicals Sneeze. And I, I tried to uh, provide at least a, a tentative framework from which we might be able to focus at least our attention as we think about ephesiology and where we're headed. Um, and as I was working this out, of course, I, these are some of the things I deal with in the, the original text of physiology in terms of uh, unpacking where our focus should be in ministry. Um, but in, when evangelicals sneeze, I, I get into it a little bit deeper. And it started to strike me as I was writing the book that, you know, um, and this is going to the, the final letter in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, and Jesus's letter to the church in Ephesus, where he commends the church for focusing on defending the faith from false teaching and standing in the gap for women who were exploited uh, 
in the practice of what was called the Nicolaitans, and then uh, charging the church to uh, not abandon their first love. Uh, th these works that I've argued are the declaration of the glory of God that we see throughout the rest of the book of Revelation. And that seemed to be something uh, significant. I mean, here Jesus is talking about the church and what the church should look like. And, uh, and so it's, you know, it made me reflect, uh, how does this manifest itself in Jesus's ministry? And we see that uh, in his ministry. I mean, when he is asked that great question, what is the greatest command? And he responds with a defense of the faith. It's to love the Lord your God. There's one God. Uh, it's going back to the, the Shema in Deuteronomy. And, uh, and so we're to love the one Lord who is our God with all of who we are and to defend that passionately. And then, uh, and then uh, he gives that beautiful story of the, the king in Matthew 25 and how the, the king's people were caring for people that were on the margins, uh, that those who were unclothed and imprisoned and who were uh, without food or drink. And he concludes that passage with uh, the, the king responding, as you have done this to the least of these, you have done this to me. And we take that to mean that as we practice engaging in issues of uh, justice is what they amount to, is that uh, when we do that, it's like we're doing this to Jesus himself. And so we have Jesus engaging in, uh, in, uh, with people that were on the margins. And then, of course, Jesus commands us to make disciples, and that's what he did, uh, and to make disciples of every people group. And so I, I started, I saw this uh, great commandment as being our emphasis on defending the faith, uh, the great compassion that we see in Matthew 25 as our emphasis in uh, engaging in issues of justice, and then, and then uh, the great commission is being those acts of proclaiming the gospel, declaring God's glory so that all nations will uh, one day be represented before his throne. And, uh, and that provides, I think, a beautiful framework that, as I write in the book, that unites all of us. I, I mean, we should all be able to get around those three uh, the types of ministry. Um, without question. I mean, this should not even be an argument uh, among evangelicals. It should be something that absolutely unites us together to be a part of the mission that God has put before us. So anyway, and all of that turned into a, a book um, that uh, hopefully we'll get some more time to, to talk about as we get into the rest of the season on the podcast. I would ask... Uh... So you've, you've pinned the book. It's out. It's only been out for a few weeks now. So, I mean, it hasn't had like a, a year long runtime. Um, what do you feel the reception has been to your book? You know, that's a good question. Um, I, I've done a number of interviews on podcasts uh, with different folks around the country and um, and I've had some feedback uh, on the book, not a lot yet. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be mixed is what I anticipate uh, the, the feedback being. I think we're going to see, and it's going to be mixed just simply because American evangelicalism is so divided right now. Um, those who might lean politically to the left are not going to like it uh, because they'll see it as being too much on the right. And those who are politically on the right aren't going to like it because it looks, it, they'll look at it as being too much on the left. And really what I'm trying to do in, in the book is to come to an, a common consensual historical understanding of what it means to be evangelical. And what I can confidently say um, today at, at some level is that what we see manifested in evangelicalism in the United States today it doesn't really look like the historic understanding of what an evangelical is. Um, and, and we'll get into some of this too, because next week, uh, Ligonier and Lifeway Research will release their st 
survey uh, that they do every two years called the State of Theology. And the early release of that is uh, frightening, to be honest, because it's showing that at least among those who were interviewed for the survey, more than half, almost two thirds of them believe that Jesus is created. And that, that, is, that cannot be evangelicalism, although these are people who identify themselves as evangelical. I don't know if we can even call it Christianity. No, you can't. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, Mormonism, it's Jehovah's Witness, right? Um, something that is not evangelical. And yet, uh, they are identifying themselves with uh, evangelicalism. So, I mean, we have some things that we need to wrestle with and, and uh, try to address. And I hope that as a podcast, will help our listeners and help ourselves to really think through what are the implications um, of this study of the first century church on the 21st century church. I think it's super helpful as we, as we have been talking since the existence of this podcast, we understand that language does do a funny thing and words change over time. You know, we get used to kind of what words mean. You know, this isn't covered in your book, but, you know, the uh, to be a gentleman, you know, when we refer to somebody being a gentleman, it's usually referred to how how kind they are and how they how they continue to regard themselves around the opposite sex. Uh, But the gentleman used to be just the definition of a landowner. Like if you were a gentleman, you owned land. So an owner of land versus kind and polite in society. That word has changed. And yet evangelical is a word that has vastly changed as far as how others see it. And we are trying to say, but let's go back. Let us go back and and look at its roots and look at what it really means and try to call people to a, a renewed or a right understanding. So that when people say, I'm an evangelical, it doesn't just mean this religious catch-all for American Christianity, because that's not what it is, even though it might have transformed into that. I I hope through our conversations, through a physiology, through when evangelicals sneeze, that we can kind of help encourage people. uh, Don't forget your first love. (laughs) Chase after him and see him for who he is. And then out of that love, let's talk about what your life looks like. Uh, in doing those, you know, three things that you talk about in when evangelicals sneeze, you know, it just popped into my head. You yeah, know, Michael, so, what it, sorry, go ahead, Michael. Uh, I was just going to say a lot, a lot to, a lot more for us to unpack and think about. And, you know, like we like to say, usually toward the end of the podcast is that we invite people to engage with us and we, we, we want those conversations. And that's been one of the things that I've been involved in over the, over the course of the summer is I've uh, uh, helped to facilitate a couple different uh, study groups on these issues. And, uh, and that's, that's been a lot of fun to do, uh, really trying to put into practice what we talk about in, in doing theology and community. And so I've interacted with folks from literally all around the world uh, in groups uh, th- talking about, you know, what are the implications for the first century church? What, what, what does that, how, how is that going to manifest itself in, in our modern uh, societies, right, wherever they are? And, and uh, so that's, it's been refreshing uh, in a different way. And uh, ho- hopefully it'll be productive and constructive for us as we're uh, moving forward. Yeah, that's good. And I, you know, I uh, just add my two cents in and then would want to move on to something else here. But um, I just really, really appreciated the addition. We've got the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, which are two things that uh, I've been leaning into a lot of what if I were to boil down the essence of the ways of Jesus, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, but to add in and to see, uh, Michael, the Great compassion, I think is mm-hmm. 
such a missing piece. And we just, we don't have that translated in the Bible. It's not, you know, it's not there explicitly written. Like we have the greatest commandment and the great commission, which really is something we've added as a heading, (laughs) you know, into our Bible translations. Um, So, I mean, even that technically doesn't even exist in the original languages, but to see though, this idea of a great compassion, I think is, is spot on. And, you know, one could make an argument that that's really the essence of what it means to love God and love others is we should be, it's, it's a, a coming out of our compassion for others and coming out of our, our, our witness and our ability to engage in social justice type issues, um, not for the sake of social justice, but because for the sake of the gospel, I think is rightfully so. And I, we could easily make that, I think, argument there, but just to have that clarifying thought, I think is actually very helpful. And I yeah. think our, I think are three things that are unifying across the Christian spectrum. And, and I say that because, um, you know, and really to what even Andrew was saying is, um, you know, evangelicalism has, has taken a, a really sour turn over the years. And for me, the, I'm like, I'm coming out of this season going, I'm, I'm really not interested in, um, in, in going, uh, fighting a battle to, to win back evangelicalism. I'm not in a, I'm not interested in, in trying to be on a rescue mission for it. But what I am interested in is pursuing the ways of Jesus and the heart of Jesus, um, that brings about the worship of God. And, and I realize that evangelicalism historically has probably been, um, has really attempted to seek a healthier, holistic approach to, to, to the gospels and to understanding the ways of Jesus. But from what it has become, it is hard to find one's association with it, in my opinion, and where we, where we are today. And you've exposed a lot of that in your book. So I would encourage all of our listeners to pick that up. It's available on Kindle. You can get it in print as well on Amazon. Find it on our website at ephesiology.com. Uh, Michael did put a lot of work into that. And, and I agree. I, I do think that, you know, reading through it myself, it I mean, you know, Michael, you said it well, it, it, you know, if you're on the extreme left or the extreme light, right, you're gonna, you're gonna be offended by something within the book. And actually, I think that's the right place to be at, because the ways of Jesus is going to offend, he, he offended the religious right of his day, and also the political left, and, um, and the liberal left. And I think that that is, um, if we're using those terms, um, I think that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be, because that is the heart of his kingdom is to say, neither of these two things are getting the right. Um, we need to seek me and my, and, and my kingdom and, and uh, the heart of God. So, um, and that's where we find ourselves. That's where we find ourselves. And that's where we find this new movement of, of, of what God is doing in our world and what he, I think he's doing here in the United States and in the West of, of reigniting and rediscovering his church um, and, and his heart for that. Um, with that, uh, let's transition quickly. And we, we've talked about this before in a previous podcast before we went on break. But uh, Michael, you've been hard at work on this over the summer. Um, and you've been pulling in um, experts and professionals um, uh, from across the, the predominant evangelical community, but to, to, uh, to partner with us on this, but talk about the Ephesiology Masterclasses and where we stand today as of uh, the beginning of September 2020. Yeah, you know, this is something that I've been super excited about. And uh, this comes out of early conversations that we were having back in March or, or I mean, even probably prior to that. But, um, it, but this has been uh, one of those things that if, if it weren't for God, I, I don't really think it would happen. Uh, because I find it very difficult for me to believe that I could actually orchestrate something like this. And so I think God has been placing on the hearts of many of us uh, to think about how do we effectively equip the saints for works of ministry? And not just a few of them, like those who are being equipped in seminaries to be pastors, but how do we equip the entire church to uh, engage in ministry? And and this, of course, is coming out of Ephesians 4, uh, when Paul says, you know, Jesus himself has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds and teachers for that explicit purpose to equip all of us for works of ministry. And so over the past several months, I've worked with, um, I think we're 15 of us all together of uh, people that I think really are some of the world's leading experts in theology and missiology and ministry. Uh, It's a multinational, multi-organizational effort uh, to 
um, uh, provide some resources to effectively equip the church in the age of um, COVID-19. Um, and so we, we were able to do that. We've uh, been partnering with uh, a seminary in India for a degree program. And so we're offering a, a Master of Arts in Missiology of Movements, uh, which we're excited about. Uh, we have church planting training and missionary training that's available as, as well as a graduate certificate. But um, yeah, so we've, we've launched this September 1st, and uh, you can go on our website. It's masterclasses.ephesiology.com to see the things that uh, are available as resources for people to, um, to come to a greater understanding of what does it mean to live out our Christian life in the world in which we live. And uh, we, we, we're in the process of developing a total of 20 courses. Uh, we have three of those that are online right now. And we have some personal enrichment courses as well. Uh, a couple of free courses on there too. And, uh, and just super excited to be able to work with uh, an incredible group of people um, from all over the world to be able to provide this resource. And so you said, again, to clarify, some of these are available right now, right? Like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're up, they're live, they're, up, they're live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. So if somebody is super interested uh, in hearing this or checking out more information, wh Michael, what's the website that they can go to, to just start devouring? Start devouring at masterclasses.ephesiology.com. We'll, we'll put this in the podcast notes uh, as well. So we'll put a link in there so you can find it. Dang. That sounds like a lot of time of excitement. And it's like a mountain of material right in front of me. You know what? It's And here's, I mean, a part of our motivation for doing this is that we want to make highly high quality academic resources available to everybody. And, uh, and what you'll find in these resources is that it is just as rigorous as anything you would find in seminary. There, the classes are being taught by people who are writing the books that are in seminaries. And uh, so we're excited about that, but we're bringing it to, uh, to everybody for a, uh, uh, for an easily accessible uh, resource to equip you for uh, discovering God's mission and uh, your part in it. You know, and it seems like too, like studies continue to show us that most pastors um, or most church leaders um, always feel um, not that they're under-resourced, but that their church members are under-resourced to actually participate in the mission of God. And um, as we have seen, as we've talked about that sometimes that the actual church members have an unhealthy um, codependency, if you will, on their church leaders to pursue and do the mission of God. And so that they, the pastors, the leaders, the teachers, um, uh, they become the the content generation sources, right? The, 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 and entertainers, really, of weekly events and gatherings. And rather than, um, as the scriptures say, are called, as Jesus has given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, to equip the body of Christ to fulfill the mission of the work of God, right, in this world, so that they too become the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers as well. And so the, really the heart behind all of this and really what we've been trying to do here with the podcast, but also now through masterclasses is actually the equipping of the saints. It's, it's really to fulfill and further the mission. This is how multiplicative um, and multiplication movements begin is actually we need people trained, boots on the ground, people who are doing this and not even at the major mega versions of what we've been handed or given, but it's in the small, intimate authentic ways that we see throughout the world, whether it's through a, a house church or through uh, your witness at your workplace, um, no matter what, 
this is about the equipping of the saints to fulfill the mission of God in this world. And that's been the impetus. That's been the heart. That's been the vision for this. Is that right, Michael? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I was just thinking, Matt, as you were talking, you know, we are 0% interested in training volunteers. And so if you're looking to be a better volunteer, this is not where you want to go. But if you really are looking to understand culture, understand how to engage it with the gospel, then absolutely, 100%, uh, you want to go to these master classes because, you know, like I said, we've got some of our good friends, Jeff Christofferson, Alan Hirsch, that are teaching courses for us, others uh, like Sylvie Raquel and uh, Stephen Leston and uh, Kathy B- Batea and Amit Batea is also t- uh, teaching courses and Gary Fugino. I mean, we've got all these guys and gals uh, that represent viewpoints that are all strictly evangelical, but diverse in terms of ethnicity and nationality, uh, that just makes what I think what is what's going to happen, uh, such a rich, rich experience for people all over the world. And this is for the, I mean, the individual who maybe has seminary training, it's for the individual who, who's maybe had just a bachelor's degree. It is for the person who maybe doesn't have any college degree. Um, This is open for everybody um, and that they're designed in such a way to make it accessible and affordable. um, But also, as you said, Michael, academically rigorous as well too, because we want to offer something that's high quality and something that anybody can really learn from and grow in. Um, And, uh, and that's really the heart behind this. Yeah. 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 We like to say that, um, uh, you know, we're, we're not just a bunch of academics, but we're people that have been in ministry. And so we've been where people are and we know those struggles and we want to help you get to be in a place where you can effectively engage in ministry. Yeah, that's right. Seems more like, uh, not more like, it seems like practitioners inviting other practitioners into some practice methods, you know, as opposed to that ivory tower thinking, um, you don't have to quit being where you are and you don't have to quit doing ministry where you are. The physiology masterclasses exists to empower you in the latent gifts that God has given you so that you can engage others with Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, in our final few moments together, guys, let's talk a little bit about where we hope to go uh, this season with the Physiology Podcast. Uh, what's kind of on our hearts? What's what's on our dream? What, what's, um, hey, I mean, everything's new. <laughs> There's some old things, but uh, things have changed. I mean, the world has changed. Um, the world is changing before us. And we see, a, a, I'm, I'm certain, a renewed interest in this. I was just on a call yesterday um, with other uh, members of a diff, uh, like micro church com- and, and uh, small missional community group church uh, leaders in the Chicagoland area. Um, they're they're astonished by larger legacy churches that are suddenly in a place of engaging this kind of work. Um, you know, uh, Andrew, our, your, our friend, uh, your, your sweet mate, if you will, uh, Heath has been engaging in this since the pandemic as well. Um, it, we're, there's just an amazement in the room of the things that we've been talking about here on Ephesiology and many other people have been talking about for the last few years. Um, that all of a sudden the legacy church is taking great interest in is suddenly looking at how do we pivot? What do we do? How do we change? How do we um, move into this new world and this new age that we're talking about? So there seems like there's an interest here in the things that we've been talking about and seeing, but uh, how do we hope to serve the church? How do we hope to serve uh, Christians uh, and those who feel a burden to live on mission in this world? What do we see ephesiology kind of playing into that? And how do we hope to speak into that going into this year? Boy, yeah, you know, I think in some ways God has put us on a trajectory, and and uh, one of the joys that we've had, all three of us and those who have been involved with us, is really looking at what it is that God's doing. And we talk about this, of course, in the book of Physiology. We've talked about it on the podcast. How important it is for us to understand that God is fully engaged in the things that are going on in the world. And we need to be able to see that, see how he's engaged, and then follow him into that engagement. Um, and, and so that's, I mean, that's our hope. 
in uh, ephesiology for the podcast as well, that we'll be students of what we see going on around the world. And, uh, and we'll be practitioners uh, following in God's footsteps, so to speak, led by the empowering Holy Spirit to uh, engage in what God's passionate about, and that's uniting all things in Christ. And it, and it seems to me, you know, as, as uh, we've been talking about this book, When Evangelicals Sneeze and Ephesiology, that um, a part of our focus as we go into this next season is really to understand what does it mean for us to defend the faith? Um, here's one of the striking things that, that uh, at least grabbed my attention as I was working on the book and in this regard about defending the faith. That the defense of the faith was against those that were coming out of the existing church. You know, when Jesus says that the church in Ephesus stood against the apostles who were teaching false things, these were people that were in the church at one point, and they were led astray, and then they led other people astray. And so I think a, a huge part of what we need to focus on uh, in ephesiology is how do we help the, that majority of the evangelicals who no longer believe that Jesus is God, that, that he's a, a created being, how do we re-evangelize them? How do we defend the faith to them? And, um, and, and so I think a part of what we want to do is uh, focus some attention on that. Um, I think, too, we need to examine how are we to be engaged in issues of justice, um, this, of course, has been something that's been on my heart for more than a decade. And, uh, and we, you know, back in 2011, I guess it was, Bill Mulder and I wrote a book on uh, social justice and had a number of contributors who laid a solid foundation for an evangelical engagement in justice issues. And we're following that book up this year with uh, a second volume and uh, th that will continue that where we've we've gathered together a group of evangelicals from around the world who are going to speak into issues of justice. And uh, and so we need to think how what does that look like for us? Uh, and this is a touchy subject, as we very well know. Because it's uh, not a touchy subject. Nobody, everybody agrees. There's no fighting. <laughs> um, this is totally fine. Yeah. But well, we, I wish that were true, Andrew. I know you're saying that. Same. Yeah. I am. Hey, if, if Bill Mulder signs his name to it, I mean, if it, already we had the, the Michael stamp of approval, you know, helping write and edit a book, but when you got a Bill Mulder assisting, I mean, it's gold. So that means everybody has to read it. Yeah. Just, yeah. Well, I mean, it's still, I, I think, a fine text to for anyone who wants to look at what what has how has evangelical how have evangelicals been involved in social justice? How do we understand it from a biblical perspective? And that was Bill's uh, wonderful contribution uh, that Jim Stimulus makes a, a great uh, plea for the historic engagement in, in issues of justice on the part of the church uh, in his chapter. And we have others, Boaz Johnson, Stephen Kennedy, uh, and others that make wonderful contributions to helping us get our heads around what, what it looks like. But we need to continue that. I mean, the world is a huge place and, and uh, we're bringing in voices from all around the world to speak into what it means as evangelicals to engage in issues of justice. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're, I think we have to focus on that. And then of course, we will never lose sight of the declaration of God's glory. And we really want to be sure that we're unpacking that more, um, and understanding what that looks like, where we are in our different places, our different contexts. And, uh, yeah, so I think, I think that it should, uh, keep us rather busy as we're uh, moving ahead with the podcast and, and with other ways in which we're engaging uh, the church um, as well as uh, others outside of the church. And I do think that the way that we're framing this, kind of looking at those, those three buckets, if you will, 
um, that you just hit and the ways that we will move forward. Um, that also means we're going to continue to engage things that are popping up uh, around us in society. Um, like when a, when a president doesn't resign, but then gets resigned and then there's the fallout from what they do at a Christian university. Those are things that we would cover because it's in the bucket of something that stands out as coming out of Christianity that looks nothing like it. And so we would, we would talk about that. And so you all, was there something that happened that I'm not aware of? <laughs> um, well, maybe on another episode. So, yeah, well, that's a part of the defending the faith, you know, because right. we, we absolutely these folks making um, or or doing uh, things that we won't mention right at this point, but uh, that gives an impression of what an evangelical is, and and we absolutely reject that, and uh, and so a part of defending the faith is being able to speak into those things, uh, just as you're saying, Andrew. All right, guys, anything, any last things we got here? Otherwise, we'll wrap this puppy up today. Uh, when does your volume two of that book come out, Michael? Yeah, you know what? We're working on it now. The, uh, the chapters are going to be in our hands, Lord willing, in November. And volume two should come out sometime in January or February. And then corresponding to the book, uh, we're also developing a, a master's class on what it means to be a part of a ministry of social justice. And that's being taught by a really remarkable person, uh, Kathy Richards Batea, who was born in Iraq, grew up in Lebanon, and has been engaged in issues of, uh, of uh, rescuing women and uh, children in the Middle East from being exploited in their cultures. And she's, she's uh, putting together the class and is just going to do a marvelous job uh, with the class. You know, well, here was one other thing, Matt, that I, I, want, I think that we're going to be doing over the course of uh, th this next season is that we're, we're going to bring in all of the, the folks that are partnering with us in these master classes to talk about what they're passionate about. And so I'm excited that we'll do a, a lot more interviews, uh, 14 or so interviews we'll have lined up over the next uh, several weeks. And um, I, I'm delighted that they are, are going to participate in this, but super excited too that uh, you all, our, our listening audience, is going to get to know some of the, really the most spectacular people that I know. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the strengths of this coming season of Ephesiology is just really inviting in uh, additional voices uh, more into this conversation with us. And so we're grateful for that, um, uh, even not just within the masterclass, but also even beyond that as well, too. So, well, guys, this has been great. It's been so good to catch up. It's been good to be able to communicate with you and see your faces. And well, it's felt like forever, hasn't it? It feels like forever. And it also. And also even just for our audience to just uh, to be engaging with you again. Um, we're grateful for that. I, there's been activity on the Facebook page. We know throughout the summer. Um, and uh, but we just are excited just to be kind of back in the saddle here and being able to kind of re-engage in these things. And so we hope that you're along for the journey. Uh, we invite you to be along with the journey. There is a seat at the table for you, regardless if you're an academic, you're a pastor, a church planter, a leader, or even just a spirit-filled uh, Christian who's just got a, a desire to see God's mission in this world um, fulfilled. We, uh, we invite you to be part of the Ephesiology community. So we want to re again remind you, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Ephesiology podcast. If you saw that there were no more updates and you happen to unsubscribe yourself, this would be a good time to go back in and make sure you're subscribed again and stay subscribed um, through iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're getting your podcasts at. We're on all the platforms. And so make sure you're subscribed and then be sure to leave a, re a review because the more reviews we get on the podcast, the more this starts to cre uh, creep up on those search lists. And so we want to make sure that this content is able to be found by others. So be sure to leave a five-star rating and a review for us. Also, to learn about the masterclasses, head on over to masterclasses.ephesiology.com. You can learn all about them there um, and see what the uh, courses that are available now and then also the coming soon courses. And of course, at always on our website at ephesiology.com, you can sign up there, get on our email list as well. Therefore, you get regular content information from us on a regular basis. It's a way for us to stay in connection and contact with you. 
And of course, as always, join the conversation on our Facebook page by searching for Ephesiology. And you'll find our Facebook page there and be sure to like it. And then you'll be able to uh, see the information, the content that we're posting on a regular basis. Uh, who are we kidding? It's mostly Michael just posting that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, posting it fact, faithfully. That's Stirring up is. the pot. Angering right. people from all areas of the oh, world. Gosh, it's just the best. Not. Join in the drama. <laughs> that's it's a, a conversation. That's one that'll sell. That's right. That's right. It is a part of the ongoing conversation. And so for uh, just for Michael, Andrew, and myself, thanks for joining us. And thanks for being a part of this, this, this idea of the physiology community as we do theology and community together. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again on the next physiology podcast. <laughs>